This is episode 22 of the Globetrotter Lounge podcast. You are listening to the Globetrotter Lounge podcast. Conversations with women who have found creative ways to travel more. With your host, travel hacker and online course creator, Jet Set Lizette. Hi, welcome to the Globetrotter Lounge podcast. It's the podcast dedicated to inspiring you to travel more. I'm your host, Jet Set Lizette, a travel coach and travel hacker who's been able to save over $90,000 in travel costs by racking up airline miles and hotel points. I believe that if you want to get to your bucket list destination, you need to start taking concrete steps no matter how small. Hearing how others have successfully made travel a priority is a great way to get ideas and get motivated. This podcast is going to help you become the globetrotter you've always wanted to be by bringing you valuable tips, resources, and insights from seasoned travelers. So today I'm going to be doing something a little bit different. It is my first solo episode, and I'm really excited about it. I'm going to be talking about my own personal travel journey and how I started traveling more than I ever thought was possible. Basically, I'll touch base on the background stuff like I always do with my guests. Then I'll lead you up to when I started travel hacking and what that is, how I've saved over $100,000 in travel costs to date, and how I keep earning tons of airline miles and points. I still have pretty much about a million right now. And of course, I'll touch on why I started this podcast and also some of my plans for the next season. And definitely stick around till the end because I'd love to get your feedback on what will be part of my second season that's coming up in 2019. So without further ado, let's dig in. Let's do this thing. Okay, so here we are. I'm doing a solo episode, my very first one. I'm not going to lie. I'm kind of excited slash nervous about it, you know. Um, It's really much easier to have someone else to ask the questions of and not just sit here and talk by myself. But I have to say, I am excited about it. Can't wait to share about my own personal journey with travel, why I love to travel, and how I figured out some creative ways to travel more. I hope that you'll find it inspiring and maybe that you'll learn a few things that you can apply in your life if you're wanting to get more travel in. So first of all, I have to say I also feel like it's a victory that I'm recording this on the last day of 2018. I was in Mexico. I have a broken ankle right now, but I still went to Mexico on a family trip vacation that was amazing. I came back and promptly got sick for a couple days. And so I had, you know, plenty of time to record this episode except for that I was sick and was in bed and could not do it. So I was determined to still do this before the year ended. So I've got like, you know, I don't know how many more hours left to the day, but I'm going to finish this in 2018. All right. So the backstory. Why did I start traveling? Well, my parents really were the genesis of all of this. They loved to travel. I grew up in Seattle, and I'm not going to lie, I had a fairly privileged life. My father is a retired doctor, so when I was growing up, he had income that allowed us to travel, and he also went to quite a few conferences. Um, He really loved to 
go off to, you know, different conferences, whether it was Arizona, California, um, pretty much anywhere. And because I was an only child, it was pretty easy for my mom and I to go along. So I had actually gone to Europe by the time I was three. And again, when I was four, I remember my parents bringing a babysitter along so that they could go out and do things while I could, you know, stay at the hotel room with the babysitter. I have some pretty interesting bits and pieces of memories of things from, you know, kind of staying with her and going out to the zoo and that kind of stuff. But I do remember traveling as a young child. And we also spent some Christmases in Mexico, kind of like I just did with my family. Um, We went to Canada. My mother is from Montreal. So I spent some time going to the East Coast, over to Canada. Um, And basically, travel was just part of my life. And it wasn't until I think when I was older that I realized how amazing that was that I was able to travel. I don't think we did a lot of really super exotic trips, but you know, the the best ones, the biggest ones that I remembered was Europe and that really put an impression on me. So much so that when I was 19, I jumped on the opportunity to study abroad in Italy as part of my college education. And um that was a phenomenal experience. I was in Perugia and went to a university for foreigners and I studied there for basically a semester. And then I spent the summer after that traveling around Europe and going to Greece and Spain and, you know, all around. Um, And so that was a really wonderful experience. And I really wanted to continue having those kinds of experiences. However, I was now in my 20s after I came back, you know, finished up school, ended up going to grad school, which was great. I actually have a kind of unique degree. I have a degree in American Indian Studies, I have an undergraduate degree in romance linguistics. I wasn't quite sure how that was all going to tie together, but I was excited about living in the Southwest while I was getting my degree in American Indian Studies. And so as I was doing all of that and kind of figuring out what I might be doing with the rest of my life, I still love traveling, but I didn't have the money to travel. And so, you know, I had a boyfriend. He's now my husband. Um... And we, for a while, lived in Arizona while I was in grad school, and we would drive down to Mexico, which was great. Uh, We definitely, when we were up in the Pacific Northwest, we would travel to Canada. Certainly when I was living in Arizona, when we were living in Arizona, we traveled throughout the Southwest, going, you know, Four Corners, uh, going to Moab, Utah, like really having a great time being in the sun, quite honestly. Um, And so, you know, I did find ways to travel. And I remember my mom was going down to Mexico a lot during that time. And we did find ways to save up and fly down to meet her down near Puerto Vallarta. And so I did manage to do it. I was not going back to Europe, though, on a regular basis, that's for sure. I knew I wanted to go to other international um, destinations, but it just wasn't part of my reality. I was on student loans. And then we moved back to Seattle after that and decided to get married. And so, you know, the focus kind of changed. It was all about paying back student loans. It was about finding work. I ended up working at the university, doing research, um, working often with um, the tribal communities in the area, which was really wonderful. And um, I really loved the fact that I had um, this ability to still travel when I could on the road, My husband and I loved road trips. We also did save up, like I said, and we would periodically take trips. 
Now, when we decided to get married, I remember telling him, do not buy me a big diamond. I will kill you if you do that. I do not want you to spend all of that money. I would much rather go on a long honeymoon. So that's what we did. The money that we would have spent on an expensive wedding, we ended up having a small wedding kind of up in the mountains with just immediate family and having a party later. So instead of spending a lot of money on the wedding, we spent a month traveling in Europe. We went back to where I had studied in Italy. I showed him that place. We went to southern France. We went down into Spain. We went to Sicily when we were in Italy. I mean, we had a really phenomenal time. And that to me was my ideal kind of wedding honeymoon experience. Travel was the equivalent of diamonds to me. You know, it was precious. It was kind of rare then that I could go somewhere that far away. But I knew I wanted to figure out a way to keep doing it. So now, you know, I moved into my 30s after we'd gotten married. We had our son. Um, and I just still had that bug. And I think it was just, you know, travel did so much for me. It was a break, right, from the norm. I've always loved to have a break from the routine. I've always loved to explore new places. I feel like I'm at my best when I'm traveling, even if things are terrible and hard. And believe me, I've been through some really weird travel experiences that sucked. But even when that's happening, there's something about meeting that challenge. It shows me what I'm made of. Um, I love meeting new people. I feel more social. I love the adventure of it. I love what I learn. I love the perspective I get about my experiences at home, you know, even dealing with things like racism, when I can step outside of our country's fabric and look at it from another angle, I get so much more understanding and insight. And it shows me that there are, you know, human uh, problems, obviously, everywhere in the world. And at the same time, things are different than where I'm from, you know, so it gives me perspective, I get to learn. Um, So I really need it almost I feel like if I'm always at home, and I do love home, don't get me wrong. I feel like we talk so much on this podcast about travel. Like it's the end all be all but I also love to come home and maybe, maybe travel is part of why I love being home so much because if I'm always home, I I don't have that sense of um, gratitude, you know, I start to lose that sense of, wow, I live in a great place, you know, there's something about going away, being amazed, and then coming home and going, wow, you know what, that was all fantastic. But look at this really nice space I've created for myself here, or wow, Seattle's gorgeous, there really is some wonderful things about here that is different than the rest of the world, you know, so it gives me that ability to step away, refresh, come back with new eyes, and learn a ton. Um, and and so much more. I don't even understand, honestly, why I have to travel, but I feel like I do. So anyway, in my 30s, you know, we had our son and basically we took him to Canada by the time he was seven weeks old. Um, I remember he went to Mexico by the time he was three. I think we went back when he was four. Um, and by five, we were invited to a wedding in India, which we definitely seized upon that. And so we went off to India with him. He was only five years old. I definitely had moments where I thought, why am I bringing a five-year-old on this trip? But um, it was amazing. It was probably one of the most unique experiences I've ever had. Uh, He got to ride in with the groom on an elephant, you know, into the wedding. Um, (laughs) You know, henna party, the whole thing, the whole thing, like in the movies, it all happened. It was also an extremely challenging trip, complete with, you know, severe illness, my husband and I couldn't function. 
at all for like two days. My son was fine, thank God, but we had to find other guests to take care of him. I mean, you know, lots of stories, right? But it was phenomenal. And that we had to save up a lot for that trip. I mean, it was expensive to fly all the way to India. We went via um, Seoul, Korea, and then spent the night there and went to India. We had to pay for hotels, you know, and so it was a big deal. And we saved up as soon as we were invited. I said, of course, we're going to go. And then we figured out a way to do it. We were working at that point. I was working at the university as a research coordinator, didn't have a huge salary. My husband um, had been working as a contractor or as a carpenter, but now started his own contractor business soon after my son was born. And the good thing about that was that, you know, we didn't make a ton of money, but he had this overhead, right? He would do construction, um, remodel people's kitchens, bathrooms, and put all of those materials and supplies on our Alaska Airlines visa card, for example, and we would get the miles. So at some point, I figured that much out that I could get some miles, you know, that way. So I was doing a little bit of quote unquote travel hacking. And so, you know, maybe 50,000 would go on the card over a year with all the jobs and those would get paid back. You know, that money was getting it paid back by the clients. So we didn't have to put in all that money on the credit card, but we got the 50,000 miles, which was awesome. So we would have this ability to maybe take like two trips, well, one trip completely paid for, you know, the both of us would have the flight and then we'd have to like maybe pay once my son was over two years old for his seat, but it made it more manageable. So that was great. I really appreciated that. Um, and then we saved up, but it wasn't something I could do all the time. I couldn't travel all the time. So maybe once a year, one bigger trip, we went to India. Like I said, we went to Mexico, but we didn't do a whole lot of other big international trips. At this point, I'd started doing freelance writing on the side, and um, that was great too because I created a life where I was working part-time for the university and freelancing for myself, which allowed me to have flexibility for those trips so we could you know, take a longer weekend. And now my husband had his own business as a contractor, so he also could at least try to plan so we could have that flexibility. That was great. So by the time I turned 40, and yes, I'm outing myself a little bit here, because um, that was a while ago now, um, my husband actually pursued his passion, and that changed our lives a fair amount in regards to how we were traveling and how we were funding our travel. He went full-time into photography. He had always been a photographer on the side, or really not even for pay, but first, but he always loved to take amazing photos. And then he ended up actually doing it full-time. He switched and became a full-time, quite successful photographer. And it was really exciting. I totally was supportive. You know, I was fine with still working at the U and having my benefits. But I had to say there was one frustrating thing, which was that overhead with the carpentry and the construction that was gone. I was definitely feeling jealous of people who had airline miles. I, you know thought if I could just get a job with Alaska Airlines or something, that would help because, you know, they're based here. That did not work. Um, I, I literally was trying to. I had like a friend who worked for them. Anyway, didn't work. I envied people who traveled for work and racked up miles and hotel points. And um, so I started getting kind of like fixated on that. I wanted to figure out a way to travel more and to have or not even travel more, but just 
keep traveling the way we've been traveling with having at least a ticket or two a year, a free ticket, you know, domestic or whatever, like go to Arizona where it's sunny, where we had friends, something. Um, I wasn't really thinking super big. I wasn't thinking I want to go to Indonesia. I want to go, you know, but I just wanted some miles so I could fly. I could afford it. We didn't have that much money. So I came across online this weird website called Million Mile Secrets. I don't know why I say it's weird, but I was like, what is with the title Million Mile Secrets? It's kind of intriguing. I don't know what I was looking for. Maybe some information about credit cards. And I didn't know a lot about things like credit card signup bonuses. I just knew that I wanted to get some kind of credit card and get some miles or something like we had with Alaska Airlines. We'd always just had that one card and put everything on it, which I thought was pretty smart. But I thought maybe I should get a different one. I don't know came across this website, started reading and was like, what? Okay, wait, what? This guy's saying that he has, he in a year, racked up over a million airline miles and points. It was like him and his wife. And I thought, okay, wait, that sounds kind of crazy. So let me remind you that we had already dealt with student loans. My husband didn't have too many, but I had a ton. And I had been working really hard to pay those down. I actually, at this point, had just finished doing a big push with budgeting. I'd always been a budgeter. I had done a big push because I was tired of living paycheck to paycheck. I was the one who did the finances, you know, kind of managed the finances and paid the bills for us. And I was tired of having to say to my husband, okay, wait, so what do you have coming up for a job this month? Like, when are you going to get paid? My paycheck is this month, you know. I'm freelancing, like just the stress of it had gotten to me. And so by the end of my 30s, I had really focused on cleaning up our debt. We paid off like a car loan. We paid off the student loan slowly. And best of all, we created a cushion so that we weren't living paycheck to paycheck. We always were like a month ahead. That had been the focus throughout my 30s. And so I wasn't ready to just like rack up a bunch of credit card debt. I was so proud of the fact that we had no credit card debt, that our only Uh, debt was our mortgage on our house that we were able to buy. We had bought a fixer that, you know, my husband being a contractor, he had really been able to fix it up really beautifully. So, you know, when we bought it, it was horrible, but it was great. So, you know, we'd managed to slowly build from the time that like I turned 30 till I was 40, like this little life where we were doing pretty okay. Kind of this middle-class life where we didn't, couldn't afford a lot of travel, but we had an asset. We had finally paid off our debts. And so when I'm reading this stuff, I'm thinking, I am not going to go backwards. Like I do not want any credit card debt. That is the last thing I want. So I thought this guy had a little bit of a screw loose um, because I knew that if we, if I did something like this, I was sure it would, you know, at the very least hurt my credit score. But at the worst, what if I ended up in debt? And then, um, you know, also I didn't have a ton of money. I just assumed he must be spending a lot of money to get that many miles. But I started reading and seeing that really it all hinged on the credit card sign-up bonuses and that it was more about the fact that if you open a card, you get a ton of miles for meeting a minimum spend, not having to spend more than what you normally would spend, and then you get this windfall of miles, and then you just do do that action a lot. You basically open a lot of cards. So I had all the reservations that, you know, a lot of people have when they talk to me about it now. Um, Besides not wanting to get into debt, I just... I don't know. I did. I wondered if it was ethical. You know, um, at the time I had a fledgling web design business. I didn't want to have a lot of like 
extra work. I was doing web design now for freelance along with my schedule at the U. I had a young son, you know, and um, I, I just didn't have a lot of time to deal with all of this. But I just thought, let me try a little bit of it. And so I did. I used some of his strategies. I rolled up my sleeves and I tried. I opened a few cards and was shocked when I realized I just suddenly had 300,000 miles, which I'd never had that many. Before it was always 50,000. Wow, that's awesome. At the end of the year, after spending 50,000 miles on the card, woohoo, you know. Well, in like three months, I'd blown right past that and had five times that many miles, you know. So I was like, wait, what? So I decided I would do it again. And then I did it again. And I had this whole realization that I myself was going to go over a million miles. By the end of that first year, and this was in 2012, I crossed that line and I had over a million miles in points. And I was doing this in conjunction with my husband. I kind of brought him into my strategy. I learned a ton that first year. I was kind of freaked out. But the one thing was I said, you know, hey, we already bought our house. We're good here. You know, I don't need to worry about, you know, buying a home because that was something I read you don't want to do. Like, don't do all this credit card stuff when you're going to get a home. Well, turned out we needed to refi. We did. And it was fine. I was able to refi. I was amazed that my credit score actually started going up. Um, I I wasn't expecting that at all. I mean, it's crazy. After years of doing this, my credit score currently is in the low 800s, which when I started, it was in the low 700s. So, so many things happened that I wasn't expecting. Not only did I have over a million miles in points, my credit score was going up. I was able to refi the house. I didn't have any credit card debt. I wasn't paying interest. And there were some annual fees, but back then, especially, there they just weren't, it was almost always waived the first year. Um, and so I just wasn't putting that much money into it. I, I just would pay them off at the end of the month and I just had a lot more miles. So you know what happened next was I started traveling more. And what I started doing early on was as I would book a flight, book hotels with these points I now had, I would take note of what the flight should have cost. I had I love spreadsheets. I'm not I'm, I'm kind of a spreadsheet geek, I have to admit. Um, and that's what actually helped me through this process is I started making spreadsheets, I started doing tracking. I found out about online resources like Award Wallet where you can pool all of your miles and point accounts, mileage plans, you know, point accounts into one place and look at them all at once, you know, and I can put that link in the show notes. Um, so I started, you know, having all these spreadsheets. So one of the things I did was write down how much it would have cost and then how much I ended up paying after, you know, because you always pay a little bit like taxes and fees when you book a flight. And I was blown away by how much I was saving on each trip. So I have this list and I've taken about 50 trips. I think the last few on this list are trips I've booked, but I haven't gone on yet. So, you know, something like 48 trips. I've been able to go on trips to New Zealand, Tokyo, Um, Europe multiple times, Brazil multiple times, Argentina, all around the United States, repeat trips to New York, Hawaii quite a few times, Mexico more than once. It just kind of goes on and on. And the amazing thing is that total that I've saved, it's now grown to basically $105,000. It just crossed up into that range of over $100,000 recently when I booked a pretty big trip that we have coming up next year, which is going to be to Singapore, Bali, and Hong Kong. 
the flights alone for the three of us should be ten thousand five hundred eighteen dollars, but instead we spent five hundred seventy-eight on taxes,、uh, and our hotel should be about well almost three thousand dollars. So on that one trip alone, we are saving twelve thousand six hundred dollars, and we're spending a total of five hundred seventy-eight for hotel. And flights. Now, that's not including. I haven't booked anything for our week in Bali, but、um, probably not going to do a regular hotel for that part. So the really crazy thing is that is the biggest pot of miles I've used all at once on a trip. It's kind of a complicated trip. There's multiple flight legs, and there's also a few different hotel stays. So all in all, I dropped about six hundred thousand miles and points on that one. The crazy thing is, I still have nine hundred and fifteen thousand miles left as I record this. But the point is, I was able to now go on many, many trips, have extra money to stay in really unusual places when I needed to because I wasn't spending it on the flights.、Um, we were able to do amazing things spontaneously. For example, when we went to Tokyo, the whole trip was spontaneous. It was because I'm a huge David Bowie fan, and he had passed away. There was going to be an opening of the Bowie Is exhibit, which had been in Chicago in 2015, but I didn't go then. Then he passed away in 2016. Now this new exhibit opening was happening in Tokyo on what would have been his 70th birthday. And I really wanted to go. And the the fantastic thing about having racked up so many miles and points was I could decide to go on the drop of a hat. So I took my husband and son, and we went to Tokyo. And because our flights were pretty much free, I think we spent like sixty dollars total for nonstop,、uh, round, you know, round trip nonstop flights from Seattle to Tokyo. The hotel was definitely free the whole week. I was able to pay for a walking tour with a private, you know, tour guide. For the three of us that first day, which was a fantastic way to get oriented, I knew that you know we didn't speak Japanese, we'd never been to Tokyo. It was a huge city, so I now had the ability to pay for really fun things once we got to those kinds of destinations. That's one of the best things. How's my life changed since I started this whole quote unquote travel hacking? Some of the biggest changes have been the spontaneity, being able to go to places like Japan. Being able to follow my son around the country when he joined a drum and bugle corps and he was playing trumpet, and he was only fourteen and he went away for nine weeks and was playing in like the Mile High Stadium in Denver and then the big championship in Indianapolis and I was able to go to all of those big events, big mo- milestone moments for the for the drum corps.、Um, I could stay in hotels for free when I went. I didn't have to worry about it. I had the ability to do that. I also recently have been going to a lot more conferences, and that's phenomenal to decide. Hey, I'm going to go to a conference. Let's go.、Um, and also, the other great thing has been luxury travel. I was never someone who would indulge in that because, although you know, my dad, when I was a kid, we stayed in some pretty nice hotels, which definitely gave me that like taste for it. I couldn't afford it, and I didn't want to spend all my money、um, on some hotel when I could stay in a hostel or stay on a friend's couch. Or now I would say stay in an Airbnb, and I still do those things. I stay on friends' couches. I definitely, you know, do the Airbnb thing.、Um, and I haven't done a hostel in a while. I'm not going to lie, but why not a free hotel, right? Like I didn't realize I could be staying in these five star hotels for free. I have stayed in some incredible places. 
like in Tokyo on the 51st floor of the Andaz for free should have been like, I can't remember, 800 a night or something like that. I would never spend that kind of money. Um, But it's lovely. You know, it's really a lovely experience to be able to have a little bit of luxury in your life. Um, Also, first class tickets. I've flew first class round trip to um, Argentina, to Buenos Aires. And I also have flown business class a number of times. My father and I flew business class round trip to Paris. When I took him on a trip to Bordeaux, he wanted to go on a Viking River cruise. And hey, he was paying for the cruise and he needed help traveling because he has mobility issues. So I signed up for that. And how I said thank you was I arranged for our business class flights. So I love having that ability. And speaking of arranging for other people's flights, I also love the ability it gives me to be generous and give people the gift of travel. Um, I've taken friends to California, kind of on a lark to go see flamenco shows. I've um, I just booked four nights of hotel for my mother-in-law because her father, my husband's grandfather, is being honored at this big event in Denver. And so my son, my husband, and her, they're all going together in January and I was able to provide the hotels for that. I really love doing that, and I could never afford to do that. I'm not, I am I don't have the kind of income where I could just pay for other people's travel, but now I do. So the travel hacking really has almost felt like another job. It has taken some time, like I was afraid it would. Sometimes it's been um, a lot to juggle because I started opening a lot of cards. I really went gung-ho on this, but I then created a lot of things that helped me streamline the process and made it so much more manageable. So it actually isn't that much work. And certainly, I don't think I did that many hours, you know, for $105,000 worth of travel costs saved. I know I haven't put in like the, the amount of time I would put into a job to make that much money, you know. So it's been really incredible. Um, and the other way it's really changed my life, which I didn't anticipate, was helping other people do it too. Because right from the beginning, I really wanted to help other people. I was like shouting it from the rooftops. Well, first of all, my friends started asking me, they're like, what happened? Did you become independently wealthy overnight? I think especially around the years of like 2015, 2016, we were like, you know, and 2017, I think 2016, I flew to like nine different countries. I can't remember, but people were watching this like on social media, on my Facebook and going, wait, hold on. Did you win the lottery? Did you like inherit some money? Like what is happening? People started asking questions in 2013. I know that for a fact because that's when my whole Jet Set Lizette thing started. It was because people kept saying, can you explain to me what you're doing? And I'm like, oh, you don't know. You can just get credit card sign-up bonuses. And they're like, oh, yeah, I have a credit card. I have my one, you know, American Airlines card that I put everything on. I'm like, no, 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 no. You are not doing what you could here. You need to step it up. And they're like, well, break it down for me. So I'd say, okay. Let me tell you. And I, I love doing this over lunch, over dinner, whatever. But then I had so many people asking me that I said, let's all get together in one room. I'll have a little workshop and we'll do this. And my first workshop was in 2013. So it was only like a year after, you know, it was basically after I got my first million miles. I immediately started explaining how I did that to other people, even though I could just say, why don't you go online and look at Million Mile Secrets and the Point Sky and the Miles Mogul? And there's so many people out there, you know, and they would say, but I want to talk to you about it. There was something about talking to someone in real time that they didn't want to look at all the information because honestly, at this point, there was already a lot of information. I can tell you that right now there's tons of information out there. 
But I found that people wanted to talk about it. They wanted to ask questions. They wanted to pick my brain because I'd already started booking so much award travel. I was successfully booking trips during high season. People wanted to know how I did that because a lot of times people feel like they can't book award travel once they get the miles and points. So I definitely uh, can bust that myth because I've been successfully booking award travel for six or seven years at a huge rate. Um, And it's really very doable. So the teaching was kind of natural and it just happened right out the gate. I wasn't looking to start another business, but it just happened. And I love it. I love it, love it, love it. Um, It's still the thing I geek out about the most. I get really excited. The latest new part of my business is award travel coaching, kind of official award travel coaching where I offer packages and stuff. And that's been really fun. I have started working with a few clients directly one-on-one. I also have an online course. So, you know, that's a part of the whole travel hacking that I didn't anticipate happening, but it's really changed my life. I'm meeting amazing people. And of course, it led to the podcast. And why did I start the podcast? I started the podcast because, you know, honestly, I had created the online course. It wasn't reaching as many people as I was hoping it would reach. And I had a blog, but I didn't always have the time to write, even though I was a freelance writer for years. I'm just like anybody else about writing. It's hard to sit down and just do it. And I had a couple friends who suggested podcasting and I was like, oh, I don't know, like whatever, who has time for that? But, you know, I looked into it and I finally decided to try it. And actually, January this year, I bought a podcasting course and it was, you know, Yarrow from Entrepreneur's Journey. Shout out to Yarrow. He had this podcasting little quick course you could take. I don't know if it's still up, but it was fairly affordable and I just I liked his podcast. I'd I'd listened to his podcast. I did listen to a few podcasts at this point. And I love listening to them in the car. And I really liked his. And I loved how he interviewed people. And so he had a little little informational thing about how to do it kind of in that style of interviews. And I thought, you know, this is perfect. An interview would be exactly what I want to do. And I knew immediately what I wanted to interview about. And that was the fact that I knew that I did this kind of quote unquote travel hacking But there's so many other people, and in particular, I was really interested in women, Um, so many other women who were also hackers, but not in the way I was doing it. Like, you know, I've had people contact me and say, hey, where can I find cheap fares to, you know, Dubai? I'm like, I have no idea. Like, that would be my answer, you know? Or they'd say, do you know anything about international pet sitting? I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. That sounds amazing. Can I find out about that? Um, And so... I knew that there were people who were finding ways to travel that were really creative and that weren't just the credit card sign-up bonuses. And I wanted to know about those Um, because, you know, I personally haven't met all of my travel dreams and goals. So although I have now upped my travel game by a lot, I travel a lot more than I used to. The thing for me is that I tend to travel still in like two weeks, you know, two week trips, one week trip, uh, four days, I'm not afraid to go on a quick like three day trip to wherever like I'm love to just jump in a plane or car and go. But I have always thought I would love to live somewhere again, like I did when I was 19, when I lived in Europe for six months. Um, Or, you know, I see these people being digital nomads. I'm like, Oh, my gosh, and I, I definitely can get into the whole thing, you know, of I have a son who's now 
finishing up high school. So that's been a reason why I'm like, well, I can't go away for a month or two or three or six. Um, I have my husband and he doesn't always want to be gone that long. We have our businesses, you know, so there's these reasons that many of us have. But I look at people who are doing it. They're doing it despite no money, no time. They have kids, they have corporate jobs, they have, you know, all these responsibilities. And they're people who are like, you know what, screw it, I'm going to travel and I'm going to find a way to do it. And that re- that reminded me of how I was. I had to find a way to do it. And I did. And I'm still after that. I'm still wanting to know how people are managing to do even more travel. So I want to keep taking it to the next level. And so interviewing women really kind of started as a selfish thing. I wanted to, first and foremost, learn for myself how these women are selling everything and traveling for a whole year. My friend, Kristen Wynn. Um, You know, I wanted to hear their stories. I wanted to find out what resources they used. I wanted like a breakdown of how they made it happen. And I wanted to share that. Ultimately, I realized, wait, I can learn that and then I can share it. And then we all can keep traveling more and inspire each other and create this community, you know, of people who are traveling. And there's so much of that going on right now. You know, there's Instagram communities and Facebook groups and stuff like that. But I love the podcast medium and being able to listen to people tell stories. I love stories. So that's how this started. And here I am. And I have to say that I had no idea that the travel hacking would bring me to this point of having a podcast. But I'm here at the end of my first season. This is my 22nd episode. I've interviewed 21 women And I've loved this journey that I've been on. I have met so many amazing, inspiring women, and I'm so thrilled to be able to share their stories. I can't even tell you. Um, And, you know, doing the podcast led me to go to travel and podcast conferences this year. I went to the Women in Travel Summit in May and met a lot of the women that initially were on my podcast, amazing women, heard so many great speakers, got so many great ideas, just what a community. Amazing. Wonderful is an amazing resource out there for women travelers. You can check out my episode where I interviewed Beth Santos about that. But basically, that was a really great experience. And um, I'm super excited because I'm actually get to now speak at the Women in Travel Summit next year in 2019. So that happened. Podcast conference. I went to the podcast movement. Whoa, that was intense. In Philadelphia, went in July. What an amazing experience that was. Learned so much. Meeting more women, meeting more travelers, meeting other podcasters. Such a great experience. So I just feel like I now have so much more. I was looking for more travel in my life, but now I have a sisterhood of women who are also reshaping their lives so that it include more travel and broader horizons. We're supporting each other and making our biggest travel dreams come true. It's just so wonderful, and I'm so glad to be a part of it. And that's basically it for my story. And I just, you know, honestly, it's pretty funny. Usually people do this at the beginning of <laughs> the beginning of their podcast. It's like, here's the intro podcast episode. This is who I am. This is why I'm doing this. You know, didn't occur to me to do that. I just jumped in with both feet and just woo, like learning to swim, just started podcasting off the cuff. But now I realized, you know, it would be good to have something where I tell you a little bit about myself. So that's why I'm doing this as a way to wrap up season one. Um, As I said, it's been an amazing first year. I can't wait for season two. I've already got some great guests in mind. um, And I'll be launching March of 2019. That 
second season. I'm not sure yet about the exact format, but um, you know, I might be doing once a month instead of twice a month. I'm figuring those things out. But this is where you come in. I would love to get your help. If you can rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast, it really helps to grow the show. So if you go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to this podcast, jump on there, leave a review, rate the show, and subscribe. It makes a difference. And tell a friend to tell a friend about the show. Keep spreading the word because that helps me get more feedback. It helps me get more listeners. It helps me potentially get different guests. So it really would be a huge help. Um, So and I would also love to have you help me shape season two. So I have a couple questions. So my first question for you is, who should I interview for season two? Do you know any inspiring women travelers? Famous, not so famous, ordinary, I don't care. If so, I'd love for you to connect me with them. I'm always looking for women who've managed to travel despite obstacles or challenges. I'm always seeking out diversity of ethnicity, age, you know, culture, whether they're single, married, whatever their sexual orientation, the more wide of a representation I can get on this podcast, the better. So that's my first question. Who should I interview? Number two, I would love to know if you have any questions related to what I do with the award travel, you know, racking up miles and points. Um, If you have any questions about that or booking award travel, please send me your questions. Also send me any topics you'd love to hear discussed. It doesn't have to be a question. You can just say, hey, I'd love to hear you talk about this in your podcast, as long as it's relating to either the whole miles and points thing, award travel, or you could say, you know, a general travel topic, because I could find a guest to talk about that. So where do you leave this input? You can go to the show notes for this episode, which is jetsetlizette.com forward slash episode 22. That's jetsetlizette.com forward slash episode 22. And Lizette is spelled L-I-S-E-T-T-E. You can also at me at jetsetlizette on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the social media places. Um, Go ahead and follow me in those places as well. That'd be great. Leave a comment. Shoot me a message would love to get your responses to those two questions. Also, be sure to join my newsletter. You can find that on jetsetlizette.com. It's right on the homepage. It's throughout the site. Then you can keep up on these podcast episodes that you'll find out right away when the new season starts. I'm publishing blog posts regularly about different travel topics. So join the newsletter and stay in the loop. So thank you so much for listening to the Globetrotter Lounge podcast. I really appreciate your support. I appreciate you being there. I can't wait for season two and for us to keep getting to know each other better. Let's get our travel on in the new year. Until the next episode. Bye bye.